Today's literary piece that we are going to cover is called the MCDP7 Learning. And the MCDP7 stands for Marine Corps Doctrinal Publications. Um, there's a whole bunch of these. And in this case, we're doing number seven. The thing that I really like about this, um, obviously, as a Canadian uh, speaking to a fellow Canadian, this isn't even our this isn't even our military. Yeah. <laughs> this is down south. Um, so what I would want to say right off the bat for the people listening is whatever your opinions are or your beliefs are about the military, about the Marines, the U.S. in general, whatever pre predispositions that you have, let them go. Just get rid of them. Open-minded, open slate, let's uh, blank slate, you know, let's just kind of go into this with an open mind. Um, because I think you're going to be really surprised at how effective and how interesting mm -hmm. this content is and how unique it is. And we'll get into that. Um, the thing that I, the reason I wanted to start, I've read uh, five of these publications. The reason that I wanted to start with number seven um, is because it's called learning and it basically sets out the foundations of learning. And the funny thing about this document is that I've heard, so while reading this document, I've heard the exact same content in law classes, in psychology books, a lot of stuff um, from Jim Quick, uh, his book, Limitless. So that really caught my eye because it's a military document. You would not normally associate that with any of those disciplines that I just mentioned. So obviously it's got uh, a bit of uniqueness to, to this document. Um, the cool thing is that this is also free. So um, <laughs> I'm gonna put up a link so that people listening can check it out. And you can also uh, check out the other publications as well, cause I think they're definitely worth looking at. Um, so before we get going, Oh, and actually I will say, um, we're only going to cover like a fraction of this just because time and well, really just time <laughs> pretty much. Um, but before we get going, um, what were your thoughts on, on this? Cause I, you hadn't heard of this until I introduced mm -hmm. it to you, had you? No, this was my first time. So one thing I want to add in before sharing my, well, I guess this is part of my thoughts, but you know, there are also a lot of interesting parallels that you can draw from this reading from um, compared to a lot of the other authors and books that we've talked about, especially in our previous episode. So that's always unique to see when you have these people of, you know, different backgrounds, but they all strive to have that excellence or that specialty in whatever they're doing and you know they're all doing a little bit of the same thing and as far as the reading goes it was really unique um it was it's pretty short to be honest it's 81 pages but it's also so efficient in what it's trying to explain that in my opinion it was almost repetitive to a point not in a bad way but strictly that like there's not a lot of flowery writing and it really dives into just learning as its whole. And it does a good job of constantly revisiting the different fields and facets and 
yeah, constantly touching on it. Yeah, you made a good point there. And and the, the one thing I want to piggyback on what you said is that the nice thing about this document is that if you are a student, a professor, a doctor, a teacher, whatever your profession, whatever your interests are, this is directly applicable to anything that you do because it, it's mm. foundational. Yeah. And that's what I think is so unique about this because it's so effective at just driving that point home, uh, as, uh, as comedians would say, there's no fat, you know yeah. what I mean? There's no fat in this thing. You know, it's all just straight to the point, really informative. And the cool thing is that e even for me, I'm pretty, um, one of my favorite podcasts is, is a military one. And I've been listening to that one for several years now. And so I'm a little more used to military reading and writing and, and whatnot. And even with that, when I read this one, there were still some points that I came across that I was like kind of surprised. I was like, wow, this is, this is excellent. <laughs> you know, it's really, really pleasant surprises at least. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, anything you want to add before we get going? Well, yeah. Last point before we start. So like, I don't, I don't even think you have to be a student, a teacher, a professor, or a lawyer or whatever. Like, I think that you know, a passage like this kind of applies to it. There, it has applications regardless of what your career is and what point of your life you're in. And it also touches on this, but obviously I think learning as a whole, regardless of what you're learning is a lifelong pursuit. And no matter what stage you're at, it's also pretty easy to understand as well, despite, you know, being written by Marines or, you know, maybe seeming like something that's a little bit more high level, but applicable for anybody is what I would say. Roger that. <laughs> okay, so we'll jump right in. Uh, we're gonna start on page four here. Uh, first section, learning and competence. Learning is developing knowledge, skills, and attitudes through study, experience, or instruction. It is a never-ending progression that includes understanding why something is important which is the intent of learning. Learning is much more than gathering information or reciting facts. It includes cognitive, physical, social, emotional, ethical, and cultural components. Learning occurs in formal settings, such as in a schoolhouse, and informal settings, such as social, experiential, self-directed, and other ways outside of the classroom. The developing knowledge, skills, and attitudes interact to influence how Marines think, respond, and act. Uh, before I go on to the next section, I want to quickly say uh, we should have a drinking game for this podcast. So every time I say Marines, you got to take a shot. You're going to be drunk in about two and a half minutes because I'm going to say it about 900 times in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, you're going to hear the word Marines come up quite a bit in this uh, in this podcast, but yeah, I don't think there's anything I need to, to, to comment on that section, so we'll just keep going. The complexity of the modern battlefield and increasing rate of change requires a highly educated force. While different, education and training are inextricably linked. Education denotes study and intellectual development. Training is primarily learning by doing. We will not train without the presence of education. We must not educate without the complementary execution of well-conceived training. So I wanna stop there. We're gonna probably, uh, I will say, we're probably gonna do a lot of the um, 
stopping and starting uh, just because there's so much packed into this document. You don't want to read too much and then go back into it. So I'll, I'll stop at this one. I think in previous podcasts, I know certainly on the one with uh, Dr. Ryan Abbott, I, I talk a fair bit about this, uh, which is you have to learn, but you also have to implement what you've learned. That's the thing. You know, when you hear knowledge is power, I kind of go, yeah, not really, because having knowledge and not doing anything with it makes you powerless. Where the power comes from is actually implementing or at least experimenting with what you've learned. Because you know what? You may not actually be what you think you know when you go to execute it. Maybe the learning isn't quite to snuff or, you know, maybe the, the actual attempt is not as sufficient as it could be. So there's a lot of things going on there, but the, the highlighting the importance of we need to know what we got to do and then we have to go and do it. Mm -hmm. I agree. And my point, or I guess my takeaway from this first board, a little different from yours, but I appreciate how the passage talks that there are cognitive, physical, social, emotional, ethical, and cultural facets, you know, really stressing that there are different kinds of learning and just emphasizing that, you know, learning as a whole, it doesn't necessarily take place in a classroom or in a school or in wherever. It takes place wherever you go. And yeah, the fact that, you know, people can be. I guess, adept at learning in, yeah, different fields. You know, so a person could be a better physical learner than they are an emotional learner. They could be a better, they might pick up cultural knowledge more than cognitive, but all of them are quite important in their own respect and they intertwine. Yeah, learning occurs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, that's true. Um, I don't want to get any more into that because that comes up later. Totally. We'll save that for later, but we'll... Uh, We'll keep going here. Uh, this is an excerpt from MCDP-6, Command and Control, which states that we earn the trust of others by demonstrating competence, a sense of responsibility, loyalty, and self-discipline. Competence is having sufficient knowledge, judgment, and skills to perform a particular duty, job, or function. I'm going to read that one more time. We earn the trust of others by demonstrating competence, a sense of responsibility, loyalty, and self-discipline. So that quote there, the, the, those two sentences there, man, hammers that home. Because I think it, you know, the relationship between confidence and, and competence, you, you can't deny it. And actually, I'll just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is what I really meant about how just the pat, the writing is just so efficient. Yeah. Like, it took them, like that was like what, two sentences, like yeah. a tiny paragraph. And there's, <laughs> there's not really much leeway to argue with it. Um, <laughs> but, but it's yeah. wicked. Mm -hmm. Marines improve competencies through formal and informal learning opportunities that develop the required knowledge, skills, and attitudes. Marines learn to address complex problems and develop teamwork wherever they may be, whether in garrison, deployed, or in formal learning centers. 
Learning enables Marines to think critically, develop judgment, and cultivate a bias for action without waiting to be told what to do. A Marine with knowledge and skills who lacks judgment requires close supervision, which may not be possible in combat conditions. Two things I wanna say there. First of all, uh, a bias for action really makes me think of uh, Jocko Willink default aggressive. <laughs> okay. I just keep hearing Jocko default aggressive, default aggressive. Um, <laughs> for people who wanna learn more about that, Jocko's got like eight books published He's got his own podcast. Go check that stuff out because he really gets into um, the elements of maneuver warfare, which you're going to hear uh, that you're going to hear that the term maneuver warfare come up a fair bit in this document. If that interests you, then Jocko Willink is the guy for you. So I'll just throw that out there. Second thing I want to say is that a Marine who a, a Marine with knowledge and skills who lacks judgment requires close supervision which may not be possible in combat conditions. Now, if you take that situation out of a military context, apply that to any office in corporate, in the corporate sphere. How applicable yeah. is that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or a student in, in the classroom? 100%, it's a direct comparison or translation. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a little bit more to add later, so. Okay, we'll keep it rolling. A central tenet of maneuver warfare is attacking the enemy's ability to make decisions and to shift the mental aspects of warfare to the Marines' advantage. In short, Marines develop an intellectual edge by learning cognitive skills and competencies that enable them to move through the observe, orient, decide, and act cycle often referred to as the OODA loop, more quickly and effectively than the enemy. The warfighter the war who recognizes what is happening adapts to the situation and then makes effective decisions in the shortest amount of time will typically have an advantage. The OODA loop decision-making cycle is even more important in preparation for future conflicts because as new technologies emerge, the rate of change will continue to increase. Therefore, Marines must continuously improve their knowledge and skills by leveraging technology, but never depend upon technology alone as the solution. Marines should observe their environment to recognize key cues, synthesize these cues to orient, and quickly make sense of the information in order to decide and act. And then Marines will start the cycle again as they observe the effects of their actions. Importantly, action includes Marines effectively communicating decisions to their teams. Marines use skills such as critical thinking, reasoning, viewing situations from multiple perspectives, and visualizing the battle space in nonlinear terms to determine the best course of action within operational and tactical time constraints. So again, I mean, just the, actually it was kind of funny when I read this, I, I finally realized what the hell an OODA loop meant. I'm like, oh, that's what this means. <laughs> I've heard it so many times. I never knew what the hell that meant. So um, yeah, observe, orient, decide, and act. Um, and when you think about it just in general, um, I mean, if you want to think about it from an interpersonal perspective, uh, think about uh, you and your girlfriend are having, or you and your partner are uh, 
trying to make a decision about something, you're trying to plan a trip or whatever, you're figuring out where to go for dinner, mm-hmm. how you go through that, like you go through that or that, that OODA loop. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like even in per- interpersonal relationships, you can see that because that's what we do all the time. We just may not be consciously aware of it, um, but luckily this is why you listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just the fact that, and, and what I like about that, um, particularly fr- from the OODA loop perspective there, the second half of that, which is to synthesize these cues to orient and quickly make sense of the information in order to decide and act. And that's what I like about it because it combines thinking, learning, thinking, and then acting, making a decision, mm-hmm. move forward. Um, because you can't have one without the other, at least not to be effective at whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Well, and let's also remember, you know, inaction is technically an action. You failed to act. That's what happened. But, you know, what I really like about this is it brings in critical thinking, reasoning, which I think are just two remarkably important skills, no matter who you are or what you do. And this is really just an approach or a structure for handling any problem. You, you know, I guess to reword it outside of the context of um, military writing, you evaluate your environment, you evaluate your options, you decide your best, or I guess you decide your path of action, and then you act. And keep in mind that, you know, this might sound familiar to a lot of adults or to anybody really, but sometimes you're missing a key step in this. Sometimes you don't observe your surroundings. You don't, you don't fully evaluate what your options are, or you get stuck in that decision process. You kind of have um, decision paralysis, if you will. And, you know, that act cycle never comes. That was one of my, when I was in uh, final year of law, that was the thing that I really, um, I think I, I, I fixed that problem because the, the final, uh, or pardon me, the, the first two years, um, my grades suffered because of the, I got so caught up in, in the thinking and the, the stuff that happens before you implement that mm-hmm. knowledge. And part of the problem was that by failing to act, then I started to get anxiety about it. Then you start to question yourself. And that's when I started to notice that my grades would suffer as a result because I was getting so wound up before I even took the exam that by the time you took the exam, you were screwed. And, you know, you kind of figure it out as you go. And luckily I, you know, figured it out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's true. That, that kind of just being stuck at that final step, mm-hmm. uh, it can have pretty devastating consequences, which is why you gotta, you gotta make a decision, make the most informed decision you can make and, and then implement it. Yeah. And, and of course, no discredit to anybody, because, you know, I think it's, I think it's also fair to say is that the steps between some of the some of the OODA loop, you know, they're pretty big gaps. Like a lot of the time you make your decision or you know what the decision has to be and you just get absolutely caught up. There can be a lot of pressure and especially for Marines or for someone who's working at a high level career or doing exams, there's a big gap between 
all right, here's the sensible choice, but you know, it's a lot harder to act on it. It's much easier said than done. Good point. So uh, the next section here, uh, we're gonna fast forward a little bit. This is the key principles of learning. And yeah, we'll jump right in. The first learning principle is know yourself and seek, seek self-improvement. A Marine's mindset, values, ethics, and ex experiences impact his or her learning, decisions, and actions. Character, will, and intellect. They're interrelated and they're inextricably linked. Now, character is about moral character, and it's about the capacity and the sense of the rightness of your decision to be able to make that decision quickly. The will is about having the strength to execute the decision, and the intellect undergirds it all by giving you the context, the intellectual context, to be able to make the decision. When Marines are aware of how perspectives and experiences shape their thinking, they can better identify assumptions, biases, and other factors that influence learning. Previous experiences are valuable for many reasons, such as providing personalized references to integrate new knowledge, skills, and experiences into memory. Marines learn and fight effectively despite friction which has been described as, quote, the force in war that makes the apparently easy so difficult. Learning is not always easy. A lack of self-awareness, emotional regulation, humility, time management, or biases can cause friction that makes learning more difficult. Marines overcome this friction and seek self-improvement by better understanding themselves, particularly how our values, ethics, and perspectives influence learning. So that's the first principle there. The really interesting thing about this paragraph is that you literally could take this, you could cut this out and you could paste it into the book, uh, The Sacred Tree, which is a, a book mm -hmm. about indigenous knowledge that I, uh, Vicki uh, Whitehead and I spoke a lot about in her podcast which is crazy if you think about it, because they couldn't be any further apart from each other. You're talking yeah. about a marine document and a, a, a document, a literary piece put together by, um, you know, a bunch of different, I don't know the backgrounds of all the contributors to that book, but I know at least one of them is Lakota. So just goes to show like, just, it really blows your mind, like just how mm. applicable this stuff is. But um, the biggest thing as well, uh, biases. That's a huge one. That's a huge one. Having to, you really have to know yourself in order to, well, in order to learn effectively. I mean, you have to know what works for you. You have to know what doesn't work for you. And you also have to kind of take the, a hard look in the mirror and go, okay, like, where am I lacking? You know, that, that type of, uh, that humility is so prevalent. Yeah. And I think you have to recognize your own biases and, you know, not even for, not even for learning necessarily, like we can apply this to business, we can apply this to sports, but you have to know your biases and then you have to also accommodate for them. You know, um, we talked a lot about running, obviously, because you did the four by four by 48. Well, you know, let's just create a practical example. You have a bias to run, let's say 20% faster during the first quarter of your run and then you have a bias to slow down by 50 percent 
during the last leg. Well, you know, part of you improving on that or sharpening on those weaknesses is recognizing that and then building around it. The other thing too, let's say is that you, other people can recognize your biases. Let's say I'm playing a game of hockey or whatever against Marcus. I realize that he has a tendency to whatever, play strong to his left side and his right side's weak. Then, you know, there's a little bit more knowledge that knowledge there you're learning that you have over the other person. Yeah, that's a good thought. I, I didn't think of that. See, this is why it's nice having other people in because <laughs> it wouldn't make yeah. any sense if it was just me talking. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because that's actually true because then you can apply and and if you, this will come up later in the document as well, but if you, if I'm trying to learn about whatever and I know that you know me well, at least in the area that I'm trying to improve upon, I can go, hey, Vincent, um, you know, I'm trying to improve in these areas can you give me some constructive, uh, some, some thoughts or your opinions on how my performance is? Boom. And mm-hmm. then there you go. Then you can go, okay, well, if we're playing hockey, then you go, well, I noticed that when we play, you tend to favor the one side over the other. So you maybe want to, you know, go in, da, 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 you know, so having that valuable, that's valuable information, but you have to have the humility, A, to ask and B, to listen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and C, ask the right person. That's also true. (laughs) So that's a big one too. The second learning principle is be ready and willing to learn. I love this already. (laughs) (laughs) Marines have a professional responsibility to learn throughout their careers and should always seek opportunities to learn. Marines must take an active role in learning, be intellectually curious and look for new ways to adapt what they have learned to other relevant situations. There are many factors that indicate a person's willingness and readiness to learn, such as physical, behavioral, social, emotional, and cognitive skills. Additionally, humility, courage, integrity, perseverance, motivation, and discipline are other key qualities that affect learning readiness. Marines increase their learning readiness by having the courage, perseverance, and discipline to continuously seek new professional knowledge, skills, and experiences. A Marine's learning can be facilitated by developing an awareness and understanding of one's own thought processes. Marines sharpen their intellect by studying how to think better and then applying these skills to improve as learners, leaders, and decision makers. One thing on that, um, I was going to introduce, I was going to read from uh, a book called The Lakota Way. I've, I've mentioned it on this podcast before. Um, interestingly, it's right in the beginning. Uh, humility is the, after like the introduction and all that, it's the, the first section in that book. And one of the things I, I thought was really interesting was that it, it says that humility is a virtue that, uh, that sharpens all the other virtues, something like that, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hu- humility, sharp, oh, we'll, we'll stick with that. Humility sharpens all other virtues. So when you think about humility, courage, integrity, perseverance, motivation, and discipline, that's a really interesting thought that if you just humble yourself and put that ego aside, that you can actually improve in all those tremendous ways. Um, from a learner's perspective, I mean, that's just so invaluable and difficult. That, that, that is something that does take practice. I mean, 
depending on your personality, you, you're, you may be, uh, your starting point will be a little bit different, but mm -hmm. it, it's one of those things that it is a skill in itself. 100%. Like, I think, I think one way I look at it is that, you know, humility is like, if you're, if you have, let's say a, a big ego, or if you're not very humble, you know, the way I see it is you're, you basically have blinders on. And, you know, you might be, you might be a little bit too focused on your strengths, not fully recognizing that you have your own weaknesses, that you have these flaws that are perhaps maybe more evident. And also that, you know, you've got the blinders on, you don't see that the people around you are also improving. Like if you got somebody who thinks they're an absolute hotshot in their field, they refuse to improve themselves or yeah, even recognize that they can improve, then it's really only a matter of time before they get left behind. Because everybody, well, a lot of people are constantly learning to get ahead. And, you know, the other thing with that is when I see ego, like when I see big ego, and I'm saying this to myself too, because we're all guilty of this at some point in time. Uh, others may be more frequent than other, uh, some people more frequent than others, but to me, ego is weakness because it takes a lot of courage and determination to go to that side of you that's lacking and go, okay, this is the situation. Let's roll the sleeves up. Let's get our hands dirty and let's dig in and let's, let's, let's improve this. That takes a lot of courage to do that. You know, that's no, that's no simple thing. And when you see that big ego getting in the way, to me, I, I just view that as weakness. And I'm saying that to myself too. I mean, that, that's a lesson that is very important to learn. And, you, you know, you're going to have to, we're, we're pretty young still. So it's something we're going to have to be <laughs> for, yeah. for our entire lives. You know what I mean? But, and, you know, obviously like it's, 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 a, it's fun to have that, you know, to joke about it between friends or family or people close to you. Nothing wrong with that. I think um, it's a pretty common quote, but I think I first got it from uh, Saku Koivu, who is a former NHL player. Uh, the, there is a th really thin line between confidence and cockiness. And, you know, it speaks a lot to how confidence is phenomenal until it, until it turns, yeah, until it turns into an ego. So you really do have to find that fine line, that gray area and operate within that. Yeah, I dig that. And, and, uh, uh sorry, did you say Saku Koivu or Joe Saku? I I think it was Saku Koivu. Yeah, oh, okay. this was like a book I, was, I read when I was a kid. Yeah, no, I'm saying I'm like, oh wait, did you say <laughs> Joe Saku? But but if but either of those two guys actually, I mean Saku Koivu, very quiet guy. Like as far yeah. as uh, personality in the NHL, was he Finnish? He, he was one of was he I want to something like that. One of the two. One of the two. <laughs> but yeah, he had that very quiet disposition to him, but uh phenom of a hockey player so that's a great uh, yeah if that is if that is his quote that's a great quote <laughs> either way it's a great quote whoever it came from but the third principle is to understand why you are learning when marines understand why they are learning concepts and skills they better understand the importance of learning to the mission and are mo more motivated to learn by understanding the context of learning, Marines are better able to apply concepts and skills to new situations, 
increasing their competence and adaptability. Unknowns, uncertainty, and disorder will never be eliminated in battle. Information may be unclear, misinterpreted, influenced by the enemy, or communication systems may fail. When Marines understand why they are learning, it enables them to focus on learning the known and adapting to the unfamiliar more quickly and effectively than the enemy. Outlearning the enemy is, therefore, the key to outfighting the enemy. Yeah, this one's really interesting. There's so much in that paragraph. There's a lot. Um, may I just start with this one? Um, one of the things I actually, uh, I'll say right now is the reason that I began to become interested in military uh, podcasts and, and books and, and all that, um, jo I believe it was Jocko Willink who said this, which is that warfare is human nature amplified, which is really interesting if you think about it, because I think that's so true. And you know what, if you want to take that even further, sports today is controlled warfare. That, yep. that's, that's the modern day warfare. We're, we're not going off into battle like the Vikings did with, you know, bare chested axes and, you know, throwing knives at the helm. You know, our battles are, are done in a competitive sports method, mm -hmm. you know? And if you think about the, if you think about sports psychology, it's the same, it's all the same stuff. It's just the application changes, but the fundamentals remain the same. Um, which is why I think that the, the from reading stuff from a military perspective is so valuable. And, and so I just wanted to throw that out there. But um, additionally, the, the one thing that I, the, the one part that I loved about this uh, section here is that when Marines understand why they are learning, it enables them to focus on learning the known and adapting to the unfamiliar more quickly and effectively than the enemy. I mean, that is just so spot on. Mm -hmm. What I really liked in this passage was that unknowns, uncertainty, and disorder will never be eliminated. And again, applies to everything, but even at its very bare bones, it applies to decision making. You know, in a lot of cases, you're never going to have a full grasp of the intangibles and all the different factors, which I think can lead, you know, even in a more practical situation, I think that leads to a lot of decision paralysis, which I think is something a lot of people struggle with. You really do have to lump in that unknown, that uncertainty into your decision making. So you still, you have control over the decision. This is just a part of your variables and your factors. And of course, outlearning the enemy is the key to outfighting. Just talking more about how knowledge really is power. That's why athletes watch game tape. That's why different businesses will do research on their competitors, right? Agreed. And just even more generally, um, just think about life in general, personal, professional, 
social, whatever, whatever way you want to construct it, but think about faith, you know, religion, whatever your, your, if you have one, whatever, um, you think about all those things, life can change in a split second. Everything that you thought was true, poof, puff of smoke gone. Well, how do you adapt to your, to a changing environment, to a changed environment? You have to take what you've learned about anything and apply it to this novel situation. You know, that, that's what's so interesting about this is that these concepts are just so applicable. Um, you know, you have to be able to adjust and, and respond. The final principle is that learning is purpose-driven to develop professional competence. Learning has specific goals and measurable objectives to gauge progress toward developing competencies. Marine learning is team-oriented so that Marines develop the skills and connections to fight collectively. Marines are challenged with problems that they tackle as teams in order to learn by doing as well as from each other. Marine learning is focused on developing professional competence, which is to develop ready Marines and units capable of operating effectively in changing conditions. And then just skipping ahead a touch, there's just this one sentence, Effective warfighters adapt to fluid changes in circumstances in order to deal with complex problems and to proactively shape events for an advantage. So again, just kind of wrapping up sort of the same kind of few things that we've been mentioning here. Um, the thing that I, I my, one of my weaknesses as a learner is um, having specific goals and measurable object objectives to gauge progress. Mm -hmm. For me, this is where I lack. Um, I'll throw that to you. Well, building on that, you know, learning, development, any of these pursuits, they are, I think they're amplified. They are made more practical, more realistic. I think you have a higher chance of success I think is the best way of putting it. When you implement these goals and these objectives and also include that feedback, we, we talked a little bit, little bit about this when we talked about 10 minute toughness by Jason Selk during our last episode, right? So adding in those goals or benchmarks makes it so much more trackable and it makes it so much more real. It adds a little, it also adds a little bit of accountability. And sorry, this is just also, this is a random thought I had, you know, cause we were talking about the OODA loop decision-making and we also touched a little bit about inaction. Well, just in terms of strategy or decision-making, even just from a very strategic point of view, waiting for the opponent, if you're a Marine or an athlete or a business person, waiting for somebody else to make their decision and or perhaps to overcommit is what I really want to drive home at is another form of action. But it's also just placing a little bit, it's placing more emphasis on the evaluation and the knowledge aspect. Well, and do you want to be reactive or you want to be proactive? 
Yeah. <laughs> right? Because that's the difference. If you wait too long, then the enemy, whoever the enemy is, the opposing team, a colleague who edges you out of that promotion, right? You know, there's however you want to describe enemy, there's so many different ways that you can describe it, but you need to be on the proactive, not the reactive. I dig that. (laughs) (laughs) Just one quick quote. I just want to throw this out here. We're going to breeze past these couple pages, but something keep in the back of your mind for the rest of this podcast. I don't actually know if we'll have time to get to this particular section today, but keep this in mind, which is vicarious experience. By definition, at least as defined in this document, vicarious experiences are relevant learning opportunities that each Marine obtains by observing, reading, and studying what others have experienced. So if we do get to that section that I'm thinking of, then I will refer back to that little definition there, but we're gonna keep it rolling. Problem solving as a warfighting capability. Next section. Time spent learning how to effectively think and solve problems is time well invested. Marines must build the skills to recognize potential problems, reason, and think critically. Reasoning is the process of thinking about something in a logical way to form a conclusion or judgment. Critical thinking is the reflective part of that reasoning. Critical critical thinking skills include inference, evaluation, interpretation, and explanation. Developing these skills enables Marines to understand not only the information presented, but also its potential implications and secondary effects. Through reasoning and critical thinking, Marines explore, question, and understand the key factors affecting the situation, which then enables Marines to develop better courses of action. As information becomes more ubiquitous, it is increasingly challenging to determine how and what to focus on in order to make sense of the information. The more that Marines identify key cues and information during peacetime experiences, the more quickly that Marines are able to decide and act when deployed. So that last little part there, uh, when I was watching The Last Dance, I believe this is one of the later episodes. Um, so this particular, at this particular time in the documentary, I believe it's 90, uh, 96. Um, so when Michael Jordan returned from baseball and then came back into the NBA. So when he joined the Bulls, the Bulls were really lacking at that time. Um, they had a really horrible regular season record. And Michael Jordan tells this story, which Tim Grover uh, discusses it in his book, Relentless. Uh, Steve Kerr in the documentary also talks about it. And at this point, this little anecdote's become quite well known, which is in a practice, MJ was guarding Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr, if you haven't seen him, he's quite a small guy. It's actually quite funny. Like he's, he's, you know, for, for the NBA, he's quite the small guy. And, And MJ wasn't the biggest guy, but, MJ's pretty damn big. You know, he, he's, he's a beast. And they're guarding each other, and MJ's getting a little aggressive in the practice. Phil Jackson starts calling these little ticky-tack fouls on MJ. And in the documentary, MJ says, you know, like, this is bullshit. Like, you're calling these ticky-tack fouls. This isn't going to help. This isn't going to help Steve Kerr. This isn't going to help the team when we're f- facing – the New York Knicks or the Indiana Pacers, these, these really physical teams, this isn't going to help them. You're, you're anyway. 
story goes on. MJ gets, you know, he's talking a lot of shit. He's, you know, playing him pretty hard. Steve Kerr finally, you know, has enough. He pushes MJ. MJ <laughs> punches him right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> MJ gets thrown out of practice. And anyway, they, they reconcile the whole thing. And, and it actually turns out to work for the better because by standing up to MJ, Steve Kerr earned MJ's trust. And that will prove invaluable later on uh, in the series. And mm-hmm. anyway, the, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But the, the thing I want to emphasize here is that <laughs> you have to practice how you play the game. Mm-hmm. Very simply, you practice how you play the game. And just the fact that it says straight up, in this case, relevant to the military, which is that the more often that Marines identify key cues and information during peacetime experiences, the more quickly that Marines are able to decide and act when deployed. Perfection. I love that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would even argue you want to practice harder than you play. I, I've got a saying that I was going to make that after actually. Yeah. yeah, I've got a, (laughs) I've got a buddy who plays, um, played competitive hockey growing up. He's playing pro hockey overseas now. And every summer when he gets home, he's got this absolute, I've never met him, but he just sounds like an asshole of a trainer. But the, the guy's literally like, well, the goal is to make your off seasons a living hell so that your seasons seem like a vacation. So really just raising that bar so that when you do have to perform, it's all the easier. Obviously, not as, not as easily said and done if you're a Marine, but you know, as far as being an athlete goes or other facets, yeah, a little more a little more practical. Well, even then the principle remains the same though. Um, That's true. It's just the, the element of execution or the, or the, the playground, you know, it's, it's not a playground, it's a battlefield. But yeah. It's the same thing. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, right? That, that goes back to when you're playing the game, right? You're, you're playing a hockey game, disorder, misinformation. That's when that stuff becomes relevant in the game. So if you don't practice hard, you don't practice harder than the game. So when the, when the question is, is brought to you, you're going to have no answer to it. And that's not a place you want to be because that's when you lose. Yeah. The mind is a weapon. What a great name for a section. (laughs) (laughs) The mind is a weapon. The philosophy of maneuver warfare guides much of what Marines do. It is their way of thinking about and preparing for war with the intended purpose of taking decisive action against the enemy at the least cost to themselves. Marines study and apply maneuver warfare in order to better exploit advantages in multiple domains and create rapidly unfolding situations in battle that overwhelm the enemy. Maneuver warfare requires that Marines develop the temperament to persevere amidst uncertainty and the mental agility to succeed in fluid and chaotic situations. Additionally, it requires being able to understand the dynamic and complex situation from multiple perspectives to determine how to exploit an advantage. Decentralized execution within the commander's intent is central to maneuver warfare. This requires that each Marine understand the situation and execute actions to support and achieve that intent. 
So that last little section there talking about decentralized execution, if you read Jocko's books, that's what he refers to as decentralized command. And he goes into, he really breaks it down um, into really palatable. He, he describes it in a way that I'm not able to right now. So that's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Um, one thing I want to say, talk about poetry in motion right here. Um, maneuver warfare requires that Marines develop the temperament to persevere amidst uncertainty and the mental agility to succeed in fluid and chaotic situations. I mean, that is just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And what I like about that is, is particularly that second half, which is the mental agility to succeed in fluid and chaotic situations. I love that because it does change. It's not stagnant. Yep. Because stagnant in itself, like st just if things aren't moving, they're easier to comprehend. 100%. But fluidity, not that it's not, it, you can do it for sure. But fluidity forces you to be much more quick on your feet. Let's, let's make this, this line e even more practical. Like develop the temperament to persevere amidst uncertainty. Like let's layman's terms be okay with uncertain situations and the mental agility to succeed in fluid and chaotic situations, just make a decision on the fly. And you know, how much of what you do will improve when you practice doing those two things, when you do them more and more, when you make faster decisions and temperament is a really strong word to use here, but even just being okay, or, you know, a little more, I'm expecting to have uncertainty is already a massive step. Well, de de like it was earlier, developing a bias for action, right? That's what this is, a by default aggressive, whatever you want to describe it as, this is what it is, having the temperament to allow that to happen. Don't fight it. You got to bring it on. Bring the fight towards you, not run away from the fight. You know, I, I quite, I really enjoyed that. That I think of all the, um, and it also is is uh, very similar to uh, another section from the Sacred Tree. Um, I believe the section uh, was it the Gifts of the West. I could be wrong on that, but it was it was one. Of, I believe it was the Gifts of the the West or the South. It was one of those two. Um, but that perseverance, that ability to, to act, to, per, to persevere and to act, right? Staying in that OODA mm -hmm. loop, you know? So that's the end of chapter one. Chapter two is called the culture of learning. And there's this brilliant quote. Now, I, what's really interesting is that this quote is attributed to James N. Mattis, uh, which people, he's a general, he's a retired general but he's a, he's has the rank of general and I'm not really sure. Like I can only speculate as to why they didn't say, because it says James and Mattis, not general James and Mattis, which I think is very interesting because the Marines know that he's a general, but what I like here is that I, I, that definitely was intentional. And 
well, actually, I think it comes up later, um, but sort of getting into rank and the challenges associated with that, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, but that's just this really interesting note that the listener should be aware of. Um, but here's this quote. Thanks to my reading, I have never been caught flat-footed by any situation, never at a loss for how any problem has been addressed successfully or unsuccessfully before. It doesn't give me all the answers, but it lights what is often a dark path ahead. I wonder why this guy got promoted to general. (laughs) That's his brilliant quote. (laughs) Awesome. I love that one. That's a great one. Yeah. I don't really have anything to say other than that's just a wicked quote. It's great. Um, So we'll fast forward here. Uh, We're at page six here. A critical element of learning from mistakes is embracing an appropriate level of risk. Combat is inherently dangerous and risky. However, the greatest mistake in combat could be an unwillingness to act from a fear of risk or a failure to adapt to the changing situation. Therefore, Marines should only take reasonable risks during training and learn to adapt to the changing situation. Leaders must recognize that part of the leadership role is to establish the standards for what kinds of risk are reasonable. All Marines, regardless of position or rank, must discuss what led to mistakes, take corrective action, and learn from them. Learning from mistakes is key to Marines learning to act decisively and effectively while taking prudent risks. So this is one of those sections that you could literally take it and put it into a law textbook. And instead of uh, Marines, you put statute or or legislation or government. Like, you you know, it's one of those really interesting um, because it talks a lot about, um, I I won't get into it too much because it probably would be boring for the people who aren't in law. But when you talk about uh, recklessness, um, vicarious liability, you're going to hear these... uh, from a legal standard, you're going to hear these concepts come up. What is reasonable? Or even um, from a medical perspective, uh, duty of care. What's a reasonable duty of care? What is that? You know, so this idea of taking reasonable risks because they're necessary, but there's a dichotomy. You can't take it too far because then it becomes detrimental to your learning. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you still have to take those risks because jumping a little bit out of that comfort zone when it's appropriate to do so is effective. I really want to touch on here and I have an example prepped up in my head uh, talking about, you know, the unwillingness to act. I, I want to clarify, and I'm sure this is something that, you know, Marines face as well that, and I, I spoke about this before, the difference between an unwillingness or a refusal to act and holding off your decision until the right moment or almost waiting for a better opportunity. A really good example, let's talk about this. If you're an army general and you put up a false flag or something, anything to divert, let's say 30% of the other army's troops into a decoy or a dummy, and then you act, you've really capitalized off of their lack of knowledge or their failure to kind of see through what a diversion is. 
put it into sports as well. Let's say that you've got MJ here and he's holding the ball. He's dribbling, he's moving around so that he can draw a triple team only to pass. Really just, I just wanted to illustrate the point that you can still have action and you can still draw advantage from being a little bit patient, I think is what I wanted to stress. There just still has to be action, but it's calculated. Yeah, that's what I was going to actually add to what you just said, was that you actually are acting. You Mm -hmm. still are acting. It's just that you're doing it in a little more of a creative way or a more, uh, uh, I guess that's like a Trojan horse, isn't it? I think. Is that the appropriate? Yeah, yeah. even just seeing what it is, (laughs) like just reading the situation and then pulling some advantages, you know? Well, and, and in the example that you brought up, it definitely worked with MJ because that's how Paxson and Steve Kerr won those. Well, pardon me. MJ created a situation in which somebody could step up to then execute the mm-hmm. mission. Yeah. Which is an interesting distinction there, but that's a discussion for a different thing. See <laughs> <laughs> Tim Grover's book for more on that one. This next section is called Professional Expectations. Learning is a developmental process. Professional learning goals are generally process-oriented so that short and mid-term goals lead to long-term ambitions. Each Marine should identify professional learning goals, establish a plan of action, seek feedback, and regularly assess his or her progress. Before I go on reading this one, I just want to say like how effective that is um, for someone like you who who has a job. How great that is to, uh, first of all, identify professional learning goals, establish a plan of action, seek feedback, and regularly assess his or her progress. Things like that, if you go to your boss with, with a plan of action going, hey, I'm, I'm trying to improve in these areas. Anything that you can help me on, you know, is there any feedback you can give me that's appreciated? You know, things like that really set you apart from the group. And mm-hmm. particularly, well, since I'm technically still a student, I will say that as a student, if you're, um, well, I guess now with COVID, it's a bit different, but in a actual learning environment where you're around professors, you have your TAs, I guarantee you that if you were to go to a TA or to a professor and you go, uh, I'm trying to focus on this particular area. I think I might be lacking here. So I want to improve this. Uh, This is some reading that I'm going to do. Can you tell me just based on what you've seen from my work and and the tutorial or the lecture, is there anything that you can help me with that would get me closer towards my goal? Oh my God, they would freak out over that. They would love you. Like yep. that gets you attention in a, in a really positive way. And that's always a good thing because that, but you're developing rapport and you're also showing that you're default aggressive. You're out there. You're trying to, you're trying to make improvements on yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think in a lot of cases, I think the TAs or the, your bosses or your, your coaches, if we're talking sports, they would love to talk about that. Like if, if we're just sitting down and we want to watch a game of hockey and really get technical about the, about the strategy, the technique, how they're playing. I've, I love talking about that. You know, you're, 
you're just embracing your craft, your collective craft with another person. Embracing your collective craft. I love that. <laughs> good, good addition there. Good point. Just as learning is continuous, Marines regularly review, revise, and hold each other accountable for their professional development goals. Individual goals and progress can be discussed with peers, mentors, leaders, and as appropriate with subordinates. Additionally, professional learning expectations rise with seniority. While junior Marines are generally introduced to specific topics, subjects, and expectations, more senior Marines are expected to independently broaden the scope of their learning to advance their expertise. Taking time to organize one's thoughts, reflect upon professional goals, challenge existing ideas, and process new information is important at every level of the developmental process. Do you have anything to add to that? Ah, uh, quickly just saying how important it is to challenge existing ideas or to challenge practices or status quo. Um, I think, so this is actually one note I had that we didn't touch on from chapter one is that, you know, breakthroughs in many fields are made possible because of first understanding, but then also challenging what exists already. So. And a great person for that would be uh, Dr. Julio Montaner from the, the most previous episode, um, particularly because when HIV, well, AIDS at the time, so novel, you know, and, and to challenge the, well, also the fact that the, the specific groups that it afflicted were not uh, how we say uh, looked at fondly by the collective social conscience, we'll put it politically correct like that. <laughs> Basically, the people who are getting sick, people didn't give a shit about is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and yeah, you have to challenge that and say, you know, you know what, this is not acceptable. We have to find a way to, to fix this and, and we have an obligation to do so and therefore we must do that. Continuing on here. Learning is also a process of professional growth. Marines demonstrate motivation and professionalism by cultivating a growth mindset. Individuals with a growth mindset believe that effort and learning can change one's qualities, leading to development and success. Marines with a growth mindset are willing to set goals and actively improve upon personal weaknesses or knowledge gaps to further develop their skills, knowledge, and competencies. Marines with a growth mindset seek challenges and feedback to better learn and test current skills, increasing their competencies. Marines understand that mistakes and feedback can signal a need to improve and that investing increased effort, time and practice will further develop professional skills. Marines with a growth mindset understand that they have control over their individual learning and that the additional effort pays off in developing the knowledge and skills to improve. I was going to read the rest of that paragraph, but I think I'll just, I'll just cut it off there. I think it, I think it does the job. Um, yeah, kind of, again, like we, we've kind of been saying, we've already kind of touched on this, which is um, uh, cultivating a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. Very simply, cultivate yeah. a growth mindset. That's going to pay you dividends in, in so many ways. How about just generally speaking, 
if you bring attention to it, you're going to improve it. Yeah. Simply. Just 100%. very simply. Step one, bring attention to it. As soon as you do that, you would be amazed at the results that you'll get, even at that one step, just at the first step. Okay, obviously you wanna take it further, you wanna keep going, but for the purpose of this point, mm -hmm. just bring attention to it, very simply. Were you gonna keep reading on this one or? I was going to, do you want me to keep going on this one? I think just because the, the yeah, this, the end of the paragraph really puts into perspective open and closed mindsets. Okay. Yeah, I'll do it then. Uh, I'll just start. I'll just start from the beginning of that paragraph. We'll let it run all the way. Marines with a growth mindset understand that they have control over their individual learning, and the additional effort pays off in developing the knowledge and skills to improve. Conversely, individuals with a fixed mindset believe that their qualities are innate and are, inter and are interested in feedback only to confirm their abilities, avoiding feedback that indicates any perceived weaknesses. Avoiding feedback and having a fixed mindset leads to stagnation. Leaders, mentors, and instructors directly influence Marines' mindsets through the learning climate that they establish and the feedback that they provide. When leaders, mentors, and instructors attribute Marines' success to preparation, effort, persistence, and practice, the Marines are more likely to develop a growth mindset that cultivates the intrinsic motivation to continue to improve as warfares. Before I bring it back to you, I will quickly define intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is driven by perceived internal rewards. That is, one is driven to engage in a behavior because it in itself is satisfying. Yeah, good point for telling me to continue with that paragraph. It was a good move there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll throw that to you. Well, I mean, we've really, we've talked about this during the podcast. We've talked about this in previous episodes of the podcast. But again, just really stressing how you can have your feedback to be where you build upon and where you improve, or you can have it to simply be a pat on the back and a pillow, which, you know, obviously you, you get a compliment, enjoy it, you worked for it, but don't be stagnant. Don't have that stagnation. Don't have that complacency. Something we talked about the last time we recorded an episode, just constantly growing is what I'll say. My, one of my favorite coaches of all time is a power skating coach. Um, her name's Karen and <laughs> <laughs> Vincent. Uh, yeah. And one of the reasons that I love Karen and one of the reasons why a lot of people dislike Karen is because she's going to tell you to your face that you're a sack of crap and that you got to improve what you're doing. And I love that about her because she's unapologetic and basically her attitude is, and okay, let's keep in mind. She has a great sense of humor about it. Like, you know, she's not this devil, you know, she's, she's great, but ah, she's, she's a devil. Good. Yeah. She better be. That's why, they, you know what I mean? Because she has this ability to just say like, what the hell are you doing? Like she'll make fun of you. She'll mock you, you know, not taking it too far. I would take it a lot further. She's going <laughs> to kind of back it off at the right time, but that's great because it's like, do you want to improve or you want me to tell you how great you are? Cause I can tell you right now, you got a long way to go and that's great. I'll get you there if mm -hmm. you're willing to go there.
very simply. So if you want a pat on the back, you know, kiss my ass. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> this is not what we're here for. We're here to improve, you know, not, not to be stagnant. Mm-hmm. So the next uh, chapter is the learning environment. There's just this one quote from, from the uh, start of the first paragraph. Victory does not necessarily go to those who have the largest or most modern forces, but to those who are able to recognize the need to adapt, generate intelligent decisions, and execute them more quickly than their enemy. I highlighted this one because how many times do you see this happen in sports? Answer, all the time. I haven't been following March Madness. Um, I'm not really a college basketball fan, but apparently I've seen like memes and some highlights and whatever. A lot of the favored teams knocked out. Shockingly mm-hmm. yep. early. This is why. This is why. Whether or not, now here's the thing. Now you can say that, okay, maybe the better team, maybe they choked. Maybe they just didn't really execute effectively. Yeah, sure. But the other team, the underdog, if you want to refer to them as that, they still had to recognize that weakness and then they capitalized on that weakness. So they still had to put the effort in to get through. Well, yeah. And if we want to push this example even further, you know, MCDP seven, it talks about that friction in wartime, not being able to fully execute is it's a fault, frankly, obviously it's unfortunate, but that's, it's still, I don't want to say it sounds harsh, but to an extent, it's a little bit on them. We talk about that friction and that preparation or you know what, maybe sometimes the blinders, if I, I'll be honest, if I were on like the second ranked team in the nation, I was playing the 20th ranked team, I'd probably walk in a little comfortable, but you know, things like that. And whose mistake is that? Your own freaking fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying not to swear so much. Cause I get, as soon as I start swearing on this topic, I get so fired <laughs> up. I'm so passionate about this stuff. It's just going to fly. So I'm trying to keep it PG, but yeah, you know, you're right. Um, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. In the progression of learning, training should provide Marines with an opposing will to practice against. I'm going to read that one more time. In the progression of learning, training should provide Marines with an opposing will to practice against. Through repetitions in a training environment, Marines learn to outthink adversaries and overcome friction prior to encountering these factors during real world operations. I haven't fully worked this thought out yet, but the reason I read that first sentence two times was to emphasize it, which is that I find it fascinating that when they describe um, who the Marines will train against, they don't say train against an opposing force or uh, opposing or opponents, or whatever word you want to put in there, they say an opposing will to practice against, which is fascinating because to me, what that highlights is a psychological and emotional, maybe not so much emotional, but certainly a psychological element to it. Um, Like I said, I haven't really, I haven't fully worked this thought out yet, but this really jumped at me and I'm Hopefully after this podcast, they'll kind of formulate that thought. But 
I just thought that was something to uh, bring attention to. And then the second part of that repetition, 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 practice before you get to the game. Because when you get to the game, what are you going to do? You're going to revert to those habits, that muscle memory, that psychological muscle memory, that dig deep. That's where you're going to fall back on. So I'll throw that to you. I agree. The use of the word will is fantastic. And, you know, I think one takeaway you can have from that is that places a heavier emphasis on not the, actually, this is exactly what the, the passage is writing, right? But not the size of the force or not who's more modern, but who's able to adapt, who's able to make faster, more intelligent decisions. But also we say, will. Who wants it more? And we've talked, we talked about this again, like you can brush away some of these intangibles. And at the end of the day, whether it's a game, whether it's a job interview, whether it's a whatever, who wants it more? In the last dance, uh, Reggie Miller, who was the hall of famer from Indiana, uh, Indiana Pacers. Uh, they played against um, the Chicago Bulls, I believe was it, it was 98. I think it was 98. I think they played in 97 as well, but, but certainly it was in 98, hopefully at least. And um, he said exactly that same thing, exactly the same thing that you said, when you go into a game seven, and this was specific to game seven, you rip up all your plans, all your plays, because it doesn't matter. All that matters in game seven is who wants it more. And that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Then we fast forward a little bit to a section called learning environments. And this is something that I've already mentioned earlier, but Jim Quick, uh, K-W-I-K, his book, Limitless, really, well, his is a book about learning. It, it's how to learn. Um, also, if you're interested in speed reading, how to do that properly, how to do it effectively, that's the uh, excellent resource for that, which I think everybody should improve their reading skills because the faster that you can read, the faster you can absorb knowledge, the faster you can move on to other things and the faster that you can implement that knowledge moving forward. So I would highly recommend that to anybody listening um, because it's so applicable in so many ways. Continuing on here, this is the learning environment. There is not a single correct design for creating the ideal learning environment because each learning objective, marine, team and condition will differ. Therefore, Marines modify the learning environment to most effectively meet the learner's needs and reflect the conditions that they expect to encounter. The interaction of instructors, learning materials, learners, and the learning delivery methods all create an effective and dynamic learning environment. I don't want to say, I don't have anything to say just because I think that paragraph is perfect but mm-hmm. do you have anything to add to that i mean it's 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 tough comments because everything in mcdp7 really speaks for itself yeah <laughs> <laughs> i agree continuing on same section here mastering a topic or difficult skill requires that marines spend time questioning and reflecting upon information to obtain deeper understanding and to determine how principles apply in practice 
Marines understand key doctrine, principles, and knowledge so that they can better identify when and how to deviate as the situation demands. And it's really funny because, actually, sorry, one, one quick thing to the, the previous section that I, I, one comment I wanna make is that, would you ever think that in a military document, you know, you think of all the Hollywood movies, you know, the drill sergeant, you worthless piece of scum, all that crap. <laughs> would you ever expect in a military document to hear that there is not a single correct design for creating the ideal learning environment because each learning objective Marine team and condition will differ. I mean, does yeah. that just not eliminate any bias or predisposition that you have to the military, at least from the, the, the learning mm -hmm. aspect of it, that the, the 100%. fascinating. I just wanted to, I just forgot about that. So I just wanted to throw that out there with this next section. Uh, Marines understand key doctrine principles and knowledge so that they can better identify when and how to deviate as the situation demands. Really funny, when I read this, the first thing that I thought of was my all-time musical idol, which is Paul Stanley from Kiss, uh, rhythm guitar and vocalist for the band Kiss. And on a video that I would even, if, especially if you're a, a rock blues fan, I would suggest this video, but for anybody um, who just finds this interesting, uh, there's this excellent mini documentary series called Ernie Ball String Theory. It's a YouTube thing. You just search that up. They have a handful. Well, actually, there's quite a few musicians at this point, uh, and one of them was Paul Stanley. And it was really funny because when he was talking about music and you know how Kiss, their writing style changed or, or, or developed throughout the years and and all this stuff. And one of the comments that he makes is that, you know, before you break the rules, you want to know what the rules are. And in his case, he goes on to say, and I'm pretty happy with what the rules are. So I'm, I'm happy to stick by them, which is kind of funny, you know, in, in the context of music. But in this case, um, this is actually one of my biggest faults, I think, was that it's great to be rebellious, but not all the time. And there's a time and a place to be rebellious and you can be rebellious at the same time, but do it very differently and have a very different result. And driving the point home that you need to know what the rules are before you go off breaking them. And especially in warfare, because your ability or, or by you deviating from the rules could get you or your fellow soldiers killed. So the stakes in a warfare context are literally literally life and death, which is, I think, why they put this point in to, to drive that home. I'll just throw in quickly that like, I did, up until this point of the podcast, I didn't even think of using music as an example, but that's such a strong application of how you really need to have a solid understanding of a practice before you can push that ceiling and deviate, if you will. And you have that in basically every instrument in guitar, string theory, piano, understanding different note patterns and rhythms. And you see that deviation, the deviation has benefits clearly through, like you said, how the band Kiss develops. You, I think you can see a lot of deviation in jazz music. So yeah, just a really great example that I hadn't actually thought of until now. I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So we're gonna we're we're running low on time. So we we're I'm gonna jump ahead to a few uh, sections that I just really wanted to focus on. Um, so yeah, so let's just do that. Jumping ahead to uh, a section provided here by uh, General, previously mentioned uh, General James Mattis. He was also the former Secretary of Defense, which I did not know. That's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, from General James Mattis, when asked about the biggest problem with senior leadership, he responded that it's a lack of reflection. Solitude allows you to reflect while others are reacting. We need solitude to refocus on prospective decision-making rather than just reacting to problems as they arise. You have some external stimulus, then you go back to your experience, your education, and you see what needs to be done. Great, so continuing on, we're gonna fast forward to chapter four. Now, this is the thing that I mentioned at the beginning that I, I wanted to, about vicarious, it was a vicarious experience? Yep. Vicarious learning. Um, this was what I was highlighting or foreshadowing rather. Leaders at all levels are responsible for their own learning while supporting their subordinates development. Every Marine is either a leader or a future leader, whether by rank or by their experience and influence on others. Therefore, Marines must lead by example in seeking learning opportunities for themselves as well as for their, for their Marines. An excellent way to master a topic is to endeavor to teach it well to other Marines. This is what I love so much because this just speaks to human nature at its most fundamental level, which is that the number one way that we learn or the, the most um, the basic way that we learn is by observation, what's someone else doing? Think about when you travel to like a different country, what are you doing? Are you Googling on your phone? How do I adapt to customs in X, Y, Z, Z country? No, you just look around, you look around. What's everybody doing? What's that guy doing? What are they doing over there? That's the most basic fundamental way that we learn. And what I love about this is also the fact that it says, I, well, I'll take this a step further, which is that Every Marine is either a leader or a future leader. Boom. I mean, that's just so simple. So when, when you think that people, this is what I, I really like about David Goggins, especially more recently, is that his emphasis on the fact that you never know who you're inspiring. You never know who's looking at you, who's looking to you. I mean, that's so excellent. You always lead by example. Um, a great... Um, Neil Strauss, uh, who's wrote quite a few books. He's a journalist. Um, one of the ones, it's a book about relationships called The Truth. I'm not sure if, I don't think this is verbatim, but generally speaking, I got this from him, which was that in a romantic relationship or any interpersonal relationship, let's just say, if I want somebody who's caring, trusting, trustworthy, uh, oh, let's just leave it at those two things. If you want that in somebody, in a partner, you embody that yourself straight up. That's how you start that. Because also I think the process or, or just the fact that you are a trustworthy individual, that you're thoughtful, you're going to attract 
now, okay, you're going to attract some shit too. Like, you know, <laughs> we're, you know, it's just life. You, you always, there's always, you know, you're, you're hurling away all the, all the crap, mm-hmm. you know, but for the most part, if you lead by example, you know, that's an excellent way to, to get the job done. And so there was a couple parallels that I, I, I've kind of discovered from reading that passage, but I digress. Back to you, Mr. Plana. Well, you know, this is something that I wanted to actually bring up from chapter two, but I think this still ties in equally well, is that we've also talked heavily about the importance of having the right environment, surrounding yourself with the right people. So if you're surrounding yourself, especially in this case, with a group of people who are really looking to learn, it's only going to boost your success so much further. We really stressed the, we really got into it too, the uh, effects of having, I guess, a positive surrounding of people and a negative surrounding of people and the benefit that it has on you. I think this ties into it pers- like perfectly. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, so this last, we're going to end it on, on this one. So there's four paragraphs here. So I'm just going to read, it's about humility. This, this section is uh, titled humility. So I'm just going to read this whole section and then we'll close it out. And I also have some other uh, book recommendations at the end of this that we'll highlight as well. So we'll crack on here. So this section is chapter four, the learning leader. And this is the subsection humility. All Marines, especially those in positions of leadership, can learn from anyone if they are ready and willing to learn. Yeah, there's not a great opening sentence. <laughs> yep. <laughs> However, ego can hinder learning. Commanders, other leaders, and instructors learn from the Marines in their charge while also leading those Marines to learn. Leaders recognize that humility is a part of the career long learning process. The best leaders at the highest levels recognize that the more they learn, the more they need to learn, and they set the example for their subordinates. Effective leaders also recognize that we are not an expert in every topic. So we seek out those who are experts and learn from them, regardless of relative rank or position. The Marine with authority must make the decision, but until a commander has reached and stated a decision, subordinates should consider it their duty to provide honest professional opinions, even though these may be in disagreement with the senior's opinions. Really quickly, I just want to comment again, would you ever think that you would hear that in a military document? Yeah. (laughs) Keeping it moving here. The mentality of open discussion hinges on the leader's willingness to remain humble and accept honest feedback. Therefore, all Marines prepare themselves to become leaders by exercising humility and becoming open to constructive feedback. The path to mastery starts with a sense of humility. Marines recognize that they do not know everything and therefore must remain humble as they pursue greater understanding and competence. Marines should always recognize that there will be more to learn and they must embrace their curiosity in order to continuously learn. 
Curiosity will lead Marines to the knowledge required to fill their own gaps in experience and improve their skill sets. When a Marine begins to feel more confident, it is because he or she is closing the gaps between their goals and their actual capabilities. Reaching a goal, re reaching a goal along the path to mastery is an indication that it is time to move on to a more challenging goal. And very quickly, there's a little vignette in here that uh, I'll, I'll read as well, and we'll end it on that. When General James Mattis, you know, this guy's popping up all over the place, huh? <laughs> when General James Mattis commanded Task Force 58 in Afghanistan from November 2001 to January 2002, he built relationships with members of the task force regardless of any formal position. He created an atmosphere where barriers between commanders and staff and officers and enlisted were broken down. Members of the division were valued for their contribution of their talents rather than the rank on their collar. Likewise, when General Gray led exercises at Fort Pickett in the early days of maneuver warfare, the debriefs and learning discussions took place with no ranks visible so that seniors were more open to learn from juniors and juniors felt more free to speak up. So that closes the section on humility and that actually pretty much closes out. There's only a couple more paragraphs in this chapter and then that's the end of MCDP seven. Um, again, you know, there's a lot in there. Um, you know, again, talking about how humility is a virtue that heightens all the other virtues or strengthens all the other virtues. Um, mm -hmm. And also the fact that when, when you hear the, from that little vignette for, from General Gray and, and, and General Mattis there, that, you know, rather progressive way of, of thinking and doing business, you know, kind of stripping, not, sorry, not stripping people of rank, but um, just not bringing attention to rank you know, pure meritocracy in this case, you know, let's just hear it out. What do you have to say? You know, are you the most junior guy can go to the most senior guy and say, Hey, this is what I think about this. And you're in an environment that you feel safe to do so. I mean, that's how you foster progress. That's how you foster growth, growth mindset, mm -hmm. you know, is by setting up an environment where you feel free and more willing to take those risks right? Because now a risk in a safe environment doesn't seem so risky. You know, now you feel that a little bit of freedom to kind of go, Hey boss, this mm -hmm. is what I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> you got, 100%. you know, you can be a little more upfront with it, you know, and, and deliver it a, a little more effectively and have it heard. Um, before I throw it to you, there was this really interesting thing that um, is somewhat unrelated, but also related to this, which is when it comes to effective communication um, I think this was um, Jonathan Peugeot, I believe, which was that if you fail to communicate, or sorry, if you communicate, so we'll set up, how about we'll do it like this. I'm uh, an employee, Vincent is my boss. I go to Vincent, there's a problem at the factory, the manufacturing warehouse, we're having some problems. I go to you and I go, hey, Vincent, um, look, we're having some problems this is how I think we can fix it, but you know, we got to kind of get on this right now. Okay. I actually did an okay job at articulating that I wasn't attacking you. I wasn't saying like, Hey, like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Like, 
shit's going down, you know, like we got to get on this. So I'm not coming at you aggressively. But the point being here is that if you fail to hear me, yeah, I have failed to communicate. Mm -hmm. I haven't said anything. Even though I said what I said, the overall goal was to produce action on your part. And by you failing to do that, I actually failed to communicate it. So I never said anything at all because it never got heard. I did kind of a clunky job at articulating that, but I hope I got the point across. Yeah, like <laughs> what you, you have to be able to reach and communicate with that other person. There we go. That's in a way that works best <laughs> for them. That's right. Um, what I really liked about this, a little unrelated to, uh, yeah, a little unrelated to humility, but this really helps illustrate, I think what we've been saying about practice and preparation and using learning to prepare outside of wartime or the game or whatever it is you're preparing for when a marine begins to feel more confident it is because he or she is closing the gaps between their goals and their actual capabilities which is i think is really cool and something that i didn't necessarily think about in terms of yeah realizing i i guess a benchmark for self-improvement if you will that increased confidence when it comes a little bit more naturally and that's a byproduct of your preparation and learning. Yeah, I dig that. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, overall, I mean, you know, that's the end of the of the document. Uh, there's a link on the bio, uh, or pardon me, there's a link on the um, episode description. I would highly recommend that you check it out. It's a really quick read. Obviously, you know, we got through, we, we actually mm -hmm. read quite a bit of it. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things you can get through it pretty quick. And I look to this, this document in particular, the one on learning is one that I frequently will look at um, just because, you know, you need a little, you're slacking in some areas, you know, you're going to kind of get a little, little yeah. touch up, you know, going for a little touch up. And so it, it's nice because it is so palatable that you can just go and find a particular section. You know, you don't, it's not like a book that you have to read from cover to cover. You just pick, okay, this section, boom, and you get whatever you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So that, that's why I quite like this. It's unique in that sense. Again, there's other, I think that, I think I saw 12. There, there's more, but there's quite a few. And okay. they're really interesting. There's one on planning. Uh, I don't want, I'm not sure the number, but it's called planning. Um, that's a really excellent one as well. That's one that I may consider, or I, I am considering covering on, on this podcast in the future. And I hope that you, as a listener, I hope that this is something that you enjoy. Um, it's something that I really enjoy doing. It's really nice. Um, just the fact that, you know, it's COVID and we're all kind of locked away. And so I really do miss uh, talking to people about the stuff that I read and vice versa, listening to discussions about what other people are reading as well. Cause I think it's so great. I mean, you, you've recommended books to me that I've never heard of mm -hmm. and I've, I hope I've reciprocated that. Yeah. And that's excellent. That's how you expand your horizon. So I, I hope that I do a, the, you and I do a decent job at, at getting these points across and hopefully it's, it's a value to the listener um, as far as some recommendations go, there, there's a few things I'm, I'm reading right now, and there's one I'm going to get into. 
uh, a great one which kind of combines everything from the last kind of five or six podcasts is um, Phil Jackson's book called 11 Rings. Phil Jackson was the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. He then went on to coach Kobe Bryant and the Lakers and won five more rings. And he also won two rings as a player for the New York Knicks back in the day. So he's a very accomplished guy. And he, what I really found fascinating about him is that as Tim Grover would say, he's a total cleaner in every way. Um, so there's that he's just a beast and a half. And the fact that he was so atypical for that NBA fraternity, you know, he emphasized humanistic psychology, Buddhism, Lakota culture. Like he really came at he really came to the NBA with this really unique um, methodology of coaching. And it certainly worked because I believe he's the most accomplished um, coach in NBA history. If he's not, I mean, I'm pretty sure he is. I mean, 11 rings is something, but, um, you know, and, and a repeat three-peat with the Bulls. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's absurd. Um, so that's a great one because it kind of combines a lot of the sports psychology and, and uh, Lakota culture, indigenous culture that have been frequent topics of late on this podcast. So that's uh, something interesting to get into. Another good one I would recommend is a book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Um, that's completely different from uh, 11 Rings by Phil Jackson, but um, it's a book on negotiations. He was an FBI negotiator. And basically this book is a culmination of the lessons learned from his time as the leading FBI hostage negotiator. Uh, fascinating book. It's directly applicable to business, to interpersonal relationships. You talk about building rapport, being a more effective communicator. Overall, it's just a, a wicked book. Um, I am going to be doing a podcast that same concept that we did today in about a month. And it will be with a friend of mine from university and that one, if you are interested in law, in legal concepts, psychology in law, that's going to be the podcast for you. I will put that in the episode description because if that's not something that um, you fancy, then you can just skip that one. Um, <laughs> but for those who are interested in law, I know a lot of the listeners are currently in law school, you know, the, in the legal field. So that might be something hopefully that you will find. Interesting. I do hope to do, um, Vincent and I will have a discussion. We haven't had a discussion about it, but <laughs> we will discuss. I do enjoy doing these with Vincent, uh, yeah. mostly because he's available. <laughs> 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 jokes, jokes, jokes. That too. But, you know, Vincent and I, we, we have good, you know, I, I like what, I like where Vincent comes from. I like that he, um, he's got a very unique perspective and as MCDP, seven pointed out he fills in some of the gaps that i have uh when it comes to learning and that's why it's always great to have somebody on here who can balance it out and bring their uniqueness and their perspective and and share it with everybody so i really enjoy that so i hope that everybody enjoyed this podcast and hopefully we will be doing more of these in the future and we will see you next wednesday
So thank you all. And thank you, Vincent. Thank you. Thanks for having me. See you next time.